episode 28, traveling with Laura Sanders. Laura Sanders is from the True Travel Podcast and is also a freelance journalist and travel writer. She is currently a journalist for the Lab Bible and has been hosting her podcast every week since July the 24th, 2021. Laura, welcome. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, where are you based? What are you up to at the minute? So I'm based in the Midlands, uh, not far from Birmingham, and I am just rocking the working from home life, um, working with Lab Bible, as you said, yeah. working from London once a week. So that's nice to get to yeah. glam up for one day a week <laughs> and experience the tube and rush hour. That's great. I miss that. um, and yeah, it's uh, it's good. Remote working. Yeah, been doing that since March last year. Still going full time at home. I don't particularly like it. Do you like it? it has its ups and downs so it's nice to be able to literally roll out of bed and turn your laptop on and not have to really get dressed but then I miss people I am a very social person I miss actually being in an office with people so it's nice to go in once a week and have the best of both worlds yeah I think we're going to a hybrid model I think which I think a lot of companies will do where two or three days in a week and work from home probably Monday and Friday because they're the best days to be at home but um, yeah, it's been a struggle. I think I miss, unlike you, I miss people. Uh, I miss that yes. interaction. It's not the same over Zoom, is it? As much as no, you, no. Can, you can do a lot over Zoom, it's not the same. It's that like general rubbish chit chat, just like passing someone or at the drinks machine, right? That sort of stuff you kind of miss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was in the office last week and I was sat opposite my editor and we're like, shall we go to the snap box? And, and <laughs> little things like that, you yeah. know, we can't do that at home. <laughs> I actually um, just daft bits like that. I miss stuff like that. Yeah, we we at well, I work on the campus, like for for college here in Vancouver, and we have um, it's classic American style. We have like those big cafes in on campus. So you got like Starbucks, Subway, Tim Hortons, all the big ones in on campus. So you do generally just take a walk over there and get a coffee, but just can't do it at the minute. Even if we go in now, that they're not open because of the rules. So yeah, I kind of miss that. Oh. Snap box as well. It's a cheeky little drawer on the side, isn't it? Just a little few chocolate. Yeah, it certainly saves you money and saves the waistline being at <laughs> <Yeah>. home. <laughs> My waistline got worse at home. Has yours got worse? Oh, well, we did go worse in the first lockdown. Absolutely got yeah. worse because all I did was bake cookies when we were in proper <laughs> lockdown and I'd lost yeah. all of my freelance work. So I literally got through the day by baking things and then obviously you've got to eat them. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but this time around, now I'm working and I'm keeping myself busy throughout the day. I sometimes forget to eat. So it's gone the other way around, but okay, it kind of balances good. out really. Because <laughs> in theory, you should be able to like just get out of bed, go for a little walk or run because no constraint is there as long as you just always start on time but for me yeah. it's been too lazy I think because working from home is quite hard anyway like I just haven't got into that routine of being healthy unfortunately no neither have I, I, I I've said you know at the start of the year it was a new year's resolution actually it was to do some more running because I used to be a big runner yeah um started off really well the first couple of weeks I was going on a run in my lunch hour or before we started and now just <laughs> no I, I I'm leaving it dangerously close to the time I'm meant to start work to be getting up and turning the laptop on it's, it's terrible. yeah it's, it's that like yeah I can see what you mean by that I got so lax with that. Hopefully, no one's listening. But um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're, you're in the UK. Uh, was lockdown okay for you? Just to finish on that, as in like as a whole, did you feel it was, it was too much, or did you feel like it ended at the right time? Or it was. I 
it was very hard. I feel like we should have gone into lockdown sooner, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, I live with a vulnerable person. So, yeah, I definitely thought we should have gone into it sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually found coming out of lockdown harder because it's been such a slow process. Mm-hmm. They have, they've sort, and I can see why they've done it. They've lifted stuff very slowly. Yeah. But that, in a way, has been more frustrating than just knowing that you can't go out of the house, you can't do something, mm. and the rules get complicated. And this is where it goes into travel as well. The travel rules are really complicated. Yeah. And it was a much simpler time when we were all locked up at home. But you can't live life like that, and that was horrible in itself as well. I mean, uh, you know, I lost all of my freelance work, and as mm-hmm. I said, I was just baking cookies to pass the time. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'd, oh god coming through it now you, you think oh my god did, did that actually happen um i, I don't know, think yeah. i want to go through it again um but there you go we are hopefully out the other side now i think you are yeah this is this is a bit of a weird one for us because so we've been on like full train mode like double vaccinated all that we're going towards september 7th as the day where no rules and then suddenly last week they i know it's a little change but it makes you think that they brought in um, masks, mandatory masks everywhere we go. I'm like, oh, are we now going backwards? Like, what the hell is this? And this is the stat is that the little areas, I guess it's broken down into coastal health regions here, but it's, it's like a council, right? So in Vancouver, where we live, we're part of the Vancouver Coastal Health. And that is one of the highest uh, double vaccinated areas in the world. I think it's 85 to 86% of people here are double vaxxed. Wow. Yeah, we've been told to go indoors with masks. I'm like, People are like, what the hell is going on now? So it kind of had a bit of a bad feeling this week where it's like, what's next? Like, yeah, I, I totally get that. They they did something here when the vaccinations first started. And they were telling people, if you've had your vaccine, you still need to wear a mask. You still need, because you can still pass it on to other people. Yeah. But now that I think 75, 80% of us have all been double jabbed, why are we still having to wear a mask if we are essentially now have herd immunity it's things like that and they were yes. changing the message on it and mm-hmm. it was confusing and then you think oh just what next you know you do start to feel like you really are being controlled um, yes yeah and even on on social media as well I mean I'm very careful about what I put out on social media mm-hmm. being a journalist about you know about COVID and not spreading misinformation well I shared a joke the other day um and it was uh, someone had gone to the restaurant and the way you should ask for the vaccine card and a woman turned around and says can I see your vaccine cards and it was all a bit of a long joke yeah. and I thought it was quite funny so I shared it and then Facebook's come up and said oh fact checkers have said you haven't got all the information <laughs> in or something I think oh my god it really is turning into big brother isn't yeah, big it brother. yeah, yeah. If any mention of that word COVID and there's an instantly a fact check um I information thing about it even if you just mention it in passing or casually it's like oh yeah everything is checked um yeah it's a real tough one here like you almost feel, I almost feel like I've done all the right things I've, I've locked down I've not really gone out that much I wear a mask every time I go even I don't like them that much I've done all double vaccinated all the things been asked and yet we're kind of still like partially got rules imposed on us I'm like I just don't get where it's going but hey uh I, I don't know what you can do I guess just gotta crack on ride yeah ride the way hopefully um i'm dressing christmas now i just i can see they've said the uk government they will not lock us down again they won't be able to because there's been riots here i don't know what it's been like in canada um but i can see it coming already they're they're saying you know everyone needs to get the flu jab so that you can 
sort of get that out of the equation mm. um there's going to be a strain on the nhs is what they say so we can or i can already see they're prepping us and priming us for restrictions in the winter whether it's going to be a full lockdown i don't think it will but we will have some restrictions in the winter i can see it now yeah i think um this winter coming is going to be a test unfortunately um i i find canadians here a bit more trusting of the government which is crazy really but um but they're, they're kind of doing all the right things it's kind of so big like different areas got different um problems so where we are we're actually numbers were never really that high vaccinations are really good in terms of um numbers so we've not really been that badly affected compared to east where it's been like more lockdowns more rules but it's hard because canada's lumped as one so um you can't really divide it up but I feel like over the West here, it's been okay. But um, yeah, East have had that, it much worse. Absolutely. And then that's problematic for travel, isn't it? Because yeah. the whole country could be knocked onto the red list, say, and it's just because it's a couple of the main cities yeah. that are affected. Um, so it is an absolute nightmare. It is a nightmare. And um, it's hard and not fair, but I guess if you start doing like per county or per city, it gets a bit complicated, doesn't it? So Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. They can't even organise most things, let alone that, so um anyway let's let's not talk about COVID too much longer because it's a bit bit down it's in it's sad for a Friday night isn't yeah. it let's, <laughs> let's crack on with more interesting subjects like your favorite travel destinations you've been to I love oh. hearing people's um like history or like where they'd love to go and why and a, a few stories um but let's start with um a bit of Southeast Asia because um a lot of people that I do interview do go there it's a common place to go but I do find there's different stories for different people. So uh, Vietnam, I've got listed here as one of your places. Um, yes. Talk to me about Vietnam. What do you like about it? Oh, everything. So <laughs> I think I did the typical post-university thing and yeah. went backpacking for, I think, six weeks nearly. So it wasn't, wasn't what like year a was year. This? this was uh, this was after my postgrad. So this was 2019, I think, or 2018. Okay. Yeah. So a few years ago now, can't believe where the time's gone. So yeah, <laughs> so I landed in Vietnam. I flew out to Hanoi, and then yeah. basically made my way down all the way through to Vietnam, through Cambodia, into Thailand. Yeah. Um. So out of the three, because that was all one big trip, I would mm -hmm. say Vietnam was my favourite country, just because I absolutely loved the food. Yeah. I feel like there was a really, and it, this could just be the backpacking tour that I joined, but I felt that it was a really good mix of like culture and history and going and having some fun and big cities were also really scenic beautiful fields as well so I just feel like Vietnam has something for everyone the people there are just lovely and amazing yeah, and, and really really kind and welcoming as are the people in a lot of uh, a lot of places in that area of the world I found True. yeah um and yeah it's just oh it's just a stunning country and I absolutely loved it um don't get me wrong I love the other two but I think Vietnam I would actually go back to if I got the chance yeah I've been back twice uh, so, oh, have much. You? so did you join like a tour like um it was like kind of fixed like two yeah. days here two days there was that with STA or was that with someone else or 
Um, I booked everything through STA, but the yeah. tour was with G Adventures. Okay. And yeah, what Adventures, I love yeah. about, yeah, they're, so, they're such a good company. And what I love about them is that they hire local guides. So my guide yeah. throughout the whole tour was Thai. So she covers the whole oh, sort of yeah. Southeast Asian region, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was just brilliant. And she knew all of the little tips and tricks as well as, you know, teaching you a little bit about the local language and the culture. And yeah. I just think it's so much better having a local guide. Yeah, G Adventures are a pretty popular one, aren't they? Um, they're still going, which is great because they survived the, the pandemic, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, I've never done that in Southeast Asia, that sort of tour, but I can imagine that's a quite a cool vibe. You meet like quite a lot of people, right? And you've got kind of, you're going to see the best of the best in terms of what those tours are designed for, really, aren't they? Yeah. And the good thing about the tour I went on, oh, sorry, the dog's barking. <laughs> the good thing um, about that tour is that you, I felt you got a really good balance of um, structured, organized sort of yes. days and itinerary and free days. So when we went to Hoi An, for instance, we yeah. did a couple of things together, but then we had two days spare and you could just saunter off and do whatever you liked. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have the balance of two. Obviously, some people do like to completely be in charge of their itinerary. But yeah. personally, I think a, a, you know an organized tour is great if you're short on time and yes. you want to see a lot of stuff in a short amount of time mm-hmm. or if you're solo traveling but you're a bit nervous about it and you want to 100%. guarantee that you meet people so there are pros and cons but personally and do you know what I love G Adventures that much I'm not being paid to say this by the way guys um, <laughs> <laughs> I love them that much that I booked a tour to well uh, I booked the Inca Trail in Peru with them okay yeah unfortunately COVID happened and we couldn't go but ah. just praying that that tour is still there when we can get back to it. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely got its value to do those sort of tours. And also, um, yeah, I did do the Inca Trail, but again, I, I'm a one for booking myself. Like I didn't, um, haven't done many tours. I think only Fiji, I, d- I booked like a set tour thing. But <clears throat> but I think the um, G Adventures, I think I'm tempted to book a tour of them um, when we go away next. I don't know where it would be, but I just want to see kind of how they operator you say local guides I want to see what them how it all works with them so because we booked STA like back so when I first went to Vietnam 2013 um we booked for STA but only like the flights around the world ticket and also like a few bits here and there of east coast Australia and I think the Fiji was part of that but Asia kind of like just winged it really um, but in Vietnam both times I've gone the opposite way to you I've gone like south to north I know a lot of people do oh, your yeah. way as well so um, that's interesting. It's just the way it works out. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it's just the way it works out with your tour and your itinerary and flights, etc. But um, yeah, I feel like if you are going to sort of wing it, Southeast Asia is probably the place to go because it's yeah. so established for backpackers, isn't yes. it? It's hundred You know, this. Yeah, it's so easy to to meet up with people. I, I'm kind of contradicting myself a bit now, but it, it is. You know, you'll never, you won't be alone for long if you just land there and see what happens. And you see um, the same people, don't you? I don't know if you realise, but you do. When I, yeah. when we've done both times, you just see the same people rock, rocking up to the hostel or doing the same tour because you're all on the same road, same path, pretty much. Um, Essentially, yeah. And in that sense, the um, the backpacking community or travel community is actually very small. And you do have to be aware of sort of stepping out of that tourist bubble, I think, and making sure you also immerse in the local culture and perhaps, you know, eat or drink where the locals do a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Like, I feel like, yeah, some places are just completely for backpackers, which is great. Like Khao San Road in Thailand, for instance, <laughs> in Bangkok. Um, that's a must do, but it's completely made for backpackers. Yeah. And it could Mental be anywhere world. in the world. What's so your... It's a nice step of balance. 
what yeah what's your favorite like three places in Vietnam that you went to off top of your head oh um or little areas or Hanoi um yeah I would then say I definitely absolutely love Hoi An and partly yeah. because I went on a bike tour through the countryside mm-hmm. um, and met this really adorable little old couple there and they showed us into the house and it was just an amazing experience like when else are you going to be able to do that and I don't know I wasn't a massive fan of um Saigon to be honest um going to the coochie tunnels was good so crawling through those and and learning a bit about the history yeah but I wasn't I wasn't I I don't know I felt like it was too modern it to be yeah (laughs) if that makes sense um and the Perfume River, actually, I quite enjoy. I mean, when we got oh. there, it was absolutely chucking it down with rain. So it wasn't the best of days, but it was still just a great place to go to. And I'm a real sort of history nerd and yeah. culture vulture when I go traveling. So that was <clears throat> that was right at my street. So, yeah, that's probably they're probably the top three. OK, yeah. Saigon is very modern. I mean, we had second time around this was we had like um, English um, high tea. <laughs> Oh, I mean, wow. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going to Vietnam to do that, but they have this apartment, I don't know if you saw this apartment block, um, where residents still live there, but some of them have sold their apartment block and it's been turned into this like trendy, hip cafe block where it has like different types of stuff. So one of them was like an English style cafe and you go in, it's like, like teapots and the hot, you know, the cakes with the high tea and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I kind of question like why are we doing this in, in Saigon, but it's just a nice change of pace for, for like for two hours it was just nice Absolutely. to get a bit of pot of tea <laughs> funny isn't it when you go abroad I think you're that amazed that you found something English or something from yeah. your country it's like you have to go there because it's amazing <laughs> that it's there it's like when you find um an English corner shop in Spain or something when you're on your holidays yeah. and you're like oh my god Cadbury quick <laughs> and you're only there yeah. a week it's it, yeah it's great did you try um egg yeah egg coffee when you were in vietnam yes did you go to the one in hanoi uh it's like a special oh they special it's like a local house by the river near the french oh, quarter i didn't um, go to that one <clears throat> so we researched and we're like oh where can we get like a try an egg coffee the thought of it for me i love coffee but the thought of having egg and stuff in it no 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 not, yeah, not having yeah. that. but anyway we would research and apparently there's this like old house that serves egg coffee I was like, all right fair enough so we walk through and you're literally going past someone who's got their washing line up with their washing I'm like are we just going to someone's like random house here that we shouldn't be going through probably so go through <laughs> I'm like okay hey like, how you doing you say hi and you've got these like real thin stairs and upstairs in this house it's just, just like real old style like 20s wooden boards everywhere like floorboards and and it's just a little bar in the corner, it's an egg coffee, and the stools are really small. And it's just like a real small place. I'm quite big, so I'm like, oh, I'm sitting down, like, have my egg coffee. But it's a real, like, <laughs> authentic, I feel like an authentic um, experience. And I didn't mind the egg coffee, actually. I thought it was all right. No, it's not bad, is it? It's quite sweet as well. Yes, which very I sweet. Expecting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, that sounds amazing, though, that place you find. I love it when you find little hidden gems like that. And actually, our tour leader took us to this restaurant the one day, which was down the back streets of Hanoi, and you probably wouldn't venture down there on your own. Yeah. You'd, just, you'd look and think there's nothing down there. Yeah. Um, but it was actually one of my favourite meals in, in Hanoi. It was brilliant. Um, and the food's so cheap as well, isn't it? I know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Quality. Yeah. I think 
the best I did was a starter, a main and a local beer for the equivalent of about £2.50. <laughs> and I didn't get poisoned by it, which I was really surprised. <laughs> that, that's a bonus. <laughs> yeah. You don't need that on your travels, do you? I've had that plenty no. of time. Oh, it's unavoidable. Uh, it, it, I think you have to accept. Um, they always call it a belly, don't they? Whether it's Delhi belly or Bali belly or, I don't know, Vietnam belly. You're going to get somewhere where you're yeah. going to get ill. Um, Just go prepared. It, it's inevitable. Yeah. Get modium on the go. That's what you need. Yeah. Um, the, best, <laughs> the best value food that we couldn't believe ever and i had to ask twice because i couldn't believe the price of it we went to myanmar on that same trip actually okay um before obviously the troubles so we went there for four or five days and then in yangon the, it's not capital but it's the main city we stayed in a hostel but off yangon i mean it's a shame what's happened there now it i imagine it's like bangkok in the old days like hordes of streets like all the signs no english you have no idea what anything says. You just got to wing it and just try and find something. So we found this little calf and we walked in and the staff, like there's about seven or eight of them are all congregating together. And they realised that we're, I think we're the only Westerners in there. And I don't think any of them can speak English apart from one person who can speak broken English. And I think they're a little bit scared. So we tried to like give a few words in um, Burmese um, and we ordered some food and it was like, a bowl, like, I guess like a Vietnam food, like a, you know, like a bowl of pho or something. Yeah. Uh, equivalent. Um, I think we had some spring rolls and also a can of Coke each. And she comes up with a price um, after we eaten, and it's equivalent of £1.50. And I was like, ah, oh, oh that's each. She went, no, no, total. Because they took the meat out for us because we didn't eat meat. So they said, oh, yeah, we can do it without meat. They just reduced it by half. And I was like, oh. two meals, cans of drink. Some spring rolls, vegetable spring rolls for one pound fifty. We're like, wow, we couldn't believe how cheap that was. I know. But I think you all young guys like rob the place, don't you? Yeah, you, you almost feel like you just want to give more, but um, <clears throat> they're kind of like quite funny of us because they're kind of looking over, laughing all the time. So that's quite a cool experience because I don't think you get many tourists um, back then, um, even less so now, unfortunately. I know it's a shame, and that's one thing I'm really keen on, sort of promoting and talking about as well is is spreading the tourism and and sort of diluting it to other areas of the country who would benefit from the custom like the place you went to yes um because it's going to help the environment it's less strain on one area then and yeah. you have a more authentic experience as well yeah and unfortunately i can't tell you what it was cool because in burmese um <laughs> <laughs> normally like when you have like Western letters, if you like, you can roughly give it a go, right? But I'm, I have no idea oh, no. Um, what it's called, but I could probably try and find it um, near a hostel. But yeah, I have to try and dig that one out. You have to Google Maps it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I have to Google Maps that <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, next place for you. Um, you touched on Cambodia, Thailand. Do you want to have a few sentences about those or...? Yeah, so um, after venturing through Vietnam, we crossed over into Cambodia and we didn't really see a lot of Cambodia as sort of the main area. So we stopped, we started in Phnom Penh yeah. um, and then made our way down to um, Siem Reap and saw yeah. the Angkor Wat temples. And that was a yeah. real bucket list thing yeah. for me. So that was just, I lapped it up. It was amazing. Um, again, the Cambodian food was amazing too. I'm surprised actually at how good it was. Um I just feel like I made assumptions about Cambodian food. Don't ask me why. <laughs> um, but then when I got there and tried it, it was really, really good. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, started in Phnom Penh and yeah. we happened to be there for Khmer New Year. So everybody was in the streets celebrating. Oh, yeah. And 
a lot of the kids had these water guns with what I think was some kind of fairy liquid or something in it. Yeah. But they just thought it was brilliant to, you know, spray the tourists. Like, <laughs> been attacked with these guns and I'm going, don't swallow the water. You know where it's come from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh. You know, looking like a maniac in the street. Get away. <laughs> um, but it was great. It was great to witness that and to photograph it as well. I, I like having my camera on holiday. So we went to a temple in Phnom Penh and lots of people were there praying and, and yeah. with their families and stuff for New <laughs> Year. Then obviously we saw the, um, the the sadder side of it. So we went to the killing fields yeah. and the Tulslung prison. Tulslung, Tulslung? I don't remember. Um, that, honestly, I, I mean, I wanted grim. to see it, but I felt physically sick. Yeah, it's grim. That. Grim day. Yeah. I think um, uh, I described on the previous episode, like 95% of Southeast Asia is great and fun, but there's a 5% that's a bit dark. And that is definitely yeah. in that 5%. Um, what's weird about that is we... We're there when we saw we saw the killing fields, and that's grim. But we're also there when the one of the royal family died. Is that the king? Someone real prominent. Um, and we got advised to leave because they're going to ban music. It's going to be quiet. It's going to be a somber atmosphere. People from the villages are coming into Phnom Penh because um, it's kind of like a big deal. And then they weren't sure if they're like fully healthy. Like, oh, you can catch this, you can catch that. I was like, oh, my God. So we kind of had to rush to get up on pen, really. But unfortunately, I've been, I've been back since. So, like, those couple of things, you think, oh, God, I kind of need to go back and have um, a kind of better view of something else there because the killing fields and then the royal family dying and us rushing out was a bit of a grim yeah. few days. Absolutely. Um, it's funny you should say that about the city, actually, because when we went, um, as I said, it was New Year, and lots of people had also travelled out the city to visit family. So it was like a ghost town when we oh, went. really? It was okay. really, really strange. All the shops were shut up. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So very, very strange. But yeah, I've literally after that, after visiting that, so I think we did it all in the morning. And then I said to my roommate, I said, I need to do something cheerful. I feel yeah. so, you know, it's really important to go and learn about all of that stuff and be aware of it and to experience it. But Honestly, I just, I needed a real pick-me-up. So I think we went shopping in the markets and then <laughs> went to the, the Royal Palace and uh, looked around that. We, um, we got um, we got offered to go and shoot some cows straight after that. <gasps> I was like, mate, your marketing's all wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't want to pick up a gun and shoot something after just reading about the history 20, 30 years ago of the Kaimo Rouge. Like, no, mate, we, we'll just I go back and just... don't want to shoot anything full stop. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, we've got tanks, we've got, we've got like rocket launchers. I'm like, mate, I'm sure you have, but I think we're just going to take a trip back to the city and just kind of chill out for a bit. Um, I, weird, yeah. a weird time to ask, but I guess it's all business, I suppose. I've seen that actually on, I don't know if you've seen on Netflix, David Farrier's Dark Tourism series or Dark yes, Tourist series. I think I've, really I've good. seen some of them, yeah. Yeah, I've I seen the Cambodia went, one. Yes, and I think he went to the cow shooting place yes. just to try and understand what the appeal was yeah um that's ho it's horrible yeah, it's grim. yeah. Um, not for me but yeah we no. kind of shrugged that <laughs> shrugged that away and sort of moved on <laughs> yeah absolutely and then i take it you went to the angkor Wat temples as well again i've been there twice i've basically done the same trip twice but different <laughs> nice. so i've done like the southeast asia thing back in 2013 and then i've done it now with my partner emma who has not been there so it's kind of like two different trips from different perspectives 2013, young, just after uni, partying a lot, um, probably not really caring too much for what I'm seeing. Um, more about like 
yeah, meeting people and having a fun time. But this time around was more kind of take everything in, like what is the real stuff to see here? So yeah, I've been to Angkor Wat twice. Uh, same, that lake by, by the Angkor Wat temple where you get the sunrise come over, been there twice. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. amazing. How did you find having to, did you go for the sunrise and did you have to have like a passport photo taken for a pass into the Angkor Wat temples? Great question. I, Cambodia massively um, modernized between the two times. So the first time we went, I remember we stayed at this guest house, this family on guest house, and our driver just took us there and we walked around. I can't remember anything else about the pass. But I remember second time around, we had to go to, it's almost in the outskirts, this big center where they give you like, I think it is probably this, this passport photo with this pass. That's it, yeah. yeah. I've still got mine and it's horrific because I had it taken at about half five in the morning. <laughs> um, it's in, in my little box of treasures that I keep from traveling. Um, okay. Yeah, it's it's not not the nicest of photos, but yeah, that was strange. I felt like I was in an airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it's like a real modern place, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just going straight to the anchor. He goes, no, you have to get a pass now. I'm like, but yeah, it was all changed, isn't it? Yeah, like, I couldn't understand Five years that. ago. Yeah, yeah, I think... I think it's, I don't know whether it's to keep numbers down or to keep yes. tabs on the amount of people going in there and to preserve it better or something like that. But it's a, it's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not against it. They, they probably get a bit of money out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and preserve it better as well. Yeah, definitely. It's Ta- it's magnificent though, isn't it? it pictures don't do it's, it justice. I, Yeah, I've got photos, but again, it's one of those things you just have to go and see it. You do. It's huge and you can spend, I think people spend three days there, but... I guess equivalent I've done one day, done half day 2013, half a day 2018, I think we're there. So um, I kind of feel like I've done Angkor Wat a little bit, um, but it's yeah, definitely worth going to. Definitely. And there are lots of different temples as well. People don't realise it's not just that one main one. There are actually loads of different temples from different times as well, um, yeah. which is interesting. And so, the day is always bloody hot. It's pissing oh, hot. So boy. bear that in mind. Yeah relentless um the funny story from the first time is we so this is this is how it's different maybe from when you went because our tuk-tuk driver just took us there he said oh i'll wait for you until you're done and you can, we'll drive you back without thinking about it, like yeah that's fine that's great and then we had the problem that when we finished <laughs> there's like a thousand tuk-tuks i have no idea at 4am in the morning what yours looked like i couldn't even see what yours looked like i don't even remember the guy who took us there and it took us 45 minutes to try and find our tuk-tuk driver <laughs> And the sea oh, took tuk and it's like really hot. We're really hungry. We're really thirsty. We just want to you go. Feel bad because the guys waited all day. But to yeah. be honest, you'll just get on the first one you see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and somehow oh, he flagged us down. But yeah, that's the nightmare at the start. But second time round, yeah, it's more regimented, I guess, of how they do it. Yeah, it's interesting that you've seen it twice and you've seen such a change over the few years. That's yeah. That's why I've got, I've got this weird perspective of before and after, almost modernization a little bit. Um, mm for all Southeast Asia, because I've done that pretty much the same trip. So it's That's pretty cool. I want to get on to Thailand just very quickly. Yeah, Thailand. Okay, so when I went to Thailand, um, obviously crossed over into Thailand with G-Adventures, but then that was the end of the G-Adventures tour. Oh, yeah. So then I booked onto a different tour, which was very different. I think the tour I was on with G-Adventures was very civilised. I was with people of all ages, um, you know, from married couples in their 50s to me and another girl who were only in our early 20s Mm. it was great and because of that you know 
people didn't want to go out till all hours we were all up at a reasonable time and yeah. it was it was very very nice pace of life and then I crossed over into Thailand and joined um Thai intro which is by intro travel I'd gone to Bali with them yeah so we started in Bangkok and made our way down the country. We went to these floating villages in uh, Kalsok National Park. That's yeah. amazing. That's such a lovely experience. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. urge anyone going to Thailand to go there. Um, and then made our way down to the islands. We did um, Koh Phangan yeah. and then crossed over the other side and did Koh Phi to finish off. Oh, and then yeah. we went to Phuket, sorry, but that wasn't part of the tour. We just went on our own. Oh, yeah. and the elephant. So did everything stereotypical that you would expect to do in Thailand. And was the forming party part of the um, Koh we... Phangan? Pyeng, sort of yeah, experience? so we went there for the full moon. I think we were there for some kind of half moon or half something. Moon. But yes, okay. there, was, there were buckets of cocktails and there was lots of dancing and skipping with, with ropes oh. that are on fire. <laughs> yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Madness. But yeah, it was great. It was, it was good actually to have such a contrast between the two tours. I, I feel like yeah there were definitely some crazy times on that thailand tour and also um, PP is a bit of a party place as well isn't it it is yeah um that's actually where maya bay which is the set um yeah. from the beach leonardo dicaprio's the beach so we went to see that and we were lucky because just a few weeks later they closed it just to help the environment recover a little bit and we actually did an overnight boat there so we slept on a boat inside maya bay oh nice um, which was really, really cool. And we got off um, on the shore somewhere and the, the, the guys in charge of the boat lit a fire and we played silly drink, drinking games and, yeah. and got on the boat. And yeah, that was really good fun. And it was just, it was nice and chilled. It was very backpackery, very touristy. Oh God, yeah. Of yes. Um, Small place, but full of them, full of backpackers. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say a little bit too touristy for my liking, yeah. but it was, it was nice. Um, you know, there was everything you could want there because it was set up for backpackers and tourists. Mm. Um, and that was just a real sort of like end of the trip kind of holiday vibe, really. We sort of could do a lot of a lot of what we wanted. Um, the only real organised trips was, you know, Maya Bay and a couple of other bits and some snorkelling. Oh, we went on the beach as well and um, had monkeys sitting on our shoulders, which, of course, you know, is just great for the bragging rights, isn't it? And the photos. Yeah. So that was quite good. Not my scene. I... I don't like monkeys. Do you not? <laughs> no, I get really anxious around them. Just had a few experiences, uh, which will oh, come to in Bali, actually. Uh, oh, Bali. Bali. But, um, you didn't go to the monkey forest in Uber, did you? I did, yes. Oh, they're vicious in there. They are almost, I want to say grim, but they are, yeah, they're about. <laughs> uh, well, the Thai monkeys are much kinder. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I found, um, yeah, I found they were about in PP, from what I remember. But I think my bay was closed when we were there. So we didn't go um yeah the first know, um, they yeah they, they're trying to do a lot to preserve the environment there which yeah. i think is really good um and when when we got there as well we had to pay a fee i, I think it was only like ten dollars or something yeah but it goes towards just maintaining the place and clearing up the rubbish and stuff so yeah that's fine i probably would go um, back to bp just to go to my bay just as, a, as kind of a ticket off yeah we're, we're yeah. also in the beach right so um yeah i think i would go back but it's not on the immediate hit list I don't think no no I mean to be honest if you've seen the film once you get on that beach it's a bit of an anticlimax yeah I can it's, like, oh, it's, it's just the beach <laughs> um <laughs> it's a lovely beach but it yeah, is, yeah. You, 
obviously Leo DiCaprio is not on there and, and yeah. I think you can see where the CGI comes in a little bit um, with the special yeah. effects and what they've added um, and me and my friend actually tried to reenact that scene where they run onto the beach and do the gamble and, oh, yeah. and go to the beach it took a couple <laughs> of takes but it was <laughs> it was good fun <laughs> I bet I bet loads people do that yeah reckon? try and do that yeah. scene I don't oh know. yeah imagine those tour guys there must have seen it all but um yeah oh gosh yeah yeah absolutely cool place pp i mean had a good time but i think i will sum pp up with very small strip in the middle but it's full of short and long-term backpackers i find people probably stay there for months yeah just love the vibe yeah absolutely so did you go to bali straight after that no, Bali was a separate trip, actually. Trip. Um, yeah, a couple of years before. Um, I just, it was kind of my first backpacking experience going to Bali, and I went with a yeah. friend. Yeah. We booked it through SCA Travel again, yeah. and she was quite nervous about traveling. Um, so we, we booked a backpackers tour again with Intro Travel, um, okay. and that was lovely. So we started, where did we start? We landed in Kuta. We started off in Kuta. Yeah. Um, and, and traveled around a bit up the coast and, and did surf lessons in oh what's the name not Seminyak Seminyak no. that's it yes yeah. yeah then we went up to the north and did a homestay um which was nice. really lovely yeah um and then came oh then we went to the Gili Islands that oh, was yeah. that was really good fun and then ended the trip in Ubud yeah in the middle okay that's yeah. a great little trip I it controversially was. put one of your posts on Instagram that I hated Bali um i think a few yeah. weeks ago because i had just a real bad experience there <laughs> explain but, it it wasn't just the monkeys was it uh no it's a culmination of things um but i i need to give it another chance so i'm fully on the second chance in the bali but it's not an immediate um sort of plans really but yeah i just i just did not like the vibe but the problem is we stayed in cuta for like seven days or eight days i didn't like cuta i, I know i think that's just what our downfall cuter. was yeah yeah because it's like very kind of drug-based like you've got a lot of people offering new stuff there's a lot of young australians there just getting pissed up um the vibe was just a bit edgy i don't know how to describe it really my friend was ill so we couldn't do much um we drank that Iraq, that drink Iraq, and it just made me really ill. Um, chuck in the monkeys at Uber being a bit, a bit aggressive. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't. And to top it off, when you leave Bali, you have to pay a fee. It's like an exit fee, and that really pissed us off. So for the seven, eight days, I had a few good nights out, but I couldn't really. Also getting pestered on the beach in Cuta. I don't know if you went on the beach, but people always come up to you for a photo or trying to buy this, trying to sell this. And I just just was never really left alone and I felt yeah. like any shop was trying to get you to part with your money it just felt the vibe was not that's a shame right yeah I, I, I was gonna say we only we had not even a full day in Kuta I really didn't like it you know Don't especially when you land there you land and that's your first thing you yeah. see of Bali and it's so different to all these photos you see on Instagram yeah exactly um, yeah. but honestly the rest of Bali is so different give it another chance so I think I have to go and get out of Cuta and go around the island and go to Gilly Islands. I think that's the plan yeah, next time. Definitely. Gilly Islands is just, it's very laid back. It's very chilled. It's its very much like a little holiday in the middle of mm-hmm. your holiday, if you like. Yeah. Um, I really loved it. I think I want to go to Lombok next door as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go there. I think it's a bit of a chill place as well. Absolutely. But yeah. I will give Bali 
another chance. Please do. On record. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. He's got to go. I've got to go, yeah. I think Emma wants to go, so I'm going to have to go anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. New York. New York. Yeah. One of my favourite places in the world. And I'm not afraid to say that. And I don't care if it's cliche. It's probably definitely in top three cities in the world. And also, I just felt I was there for nine days on my own. I was solo travelling at this point. And there's so much more I could have done. Really? Yeah. What do you I think? Do, yeah, I do feel, I do get that. I think the first couple of times you go, you're too distracted by the touristy bits and the obvious bits that you have to do when you go to New York. And then if you venture out, so, um, you know, I went out there to do Camp America. So I went to work on a, a, a summer camp for yeah. three months. And at the end of that, one of the guys working at the camp, he was the medic actually on camp, is from the Bronx. So okay. we yeah. stayed in New York City for a couple of days and he offered to show us around like the real New York. Oh, so he took okay. us into Harlem to this really nice Thai restaurant. We didn't go into the Bronx, um, okay. but, you know, he knew some of the little places that you perhaps wouldn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really fun. I definitely advise you get to know a local or venture out of the main city, you know, go to Harlem or, you know, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't encourage people to venture into the Bronx necessarily, but not mm-hmm. all of the Bronx is bad. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to go off the beaten path a little bit. We also went to Long Island as well. So yeah. did you do Long Island? No. So the Long Island Railroad out of the city, oh my gosh, my friend, because um, again, we made another friend who lives in Long Island. Yeah. She's like, get on the Long Island Railroad, I'll pick you up, we'll go to the beach for the day, etc. She's like, it's only, it's only an hour or so, it was about three hours. You would <laughs> not think that Long Island was that far from Manhattan. It was just such a slow train. Oh, um, yeah. And then when you get there, she picked us up and then we had to sit in traffic to get to the beach because I think it was a weekend and it was busy. Mm-hmm. We finally got there to so the beach and it was great. It was lovely. It's like a little holiday. You wouldn't feel like you were just by New York City. Mm. Um, and that was fun. But yeah, certainly underestimated the distance between Manhattan and Long Island. Well, I kept in Manhattan. I only stayed, I only actually stayed in Queens, but I spent all my time in Manhattan. Oh, cool. I just underestimate Manhattan as how big that is. I was like, oh, I'll just walk there. Like from Central Park down to Battery Park, it's going to be 10K. Yeah. Um, it's not It's not like a quick stroll. And I, I just didn't ever grasp, I could not grasp how big this place was. I was like a bit starstruck almost. I was like, what is this like unbelievable area where all these buildings are? It's busy, it's noisy. Um, yeah, so I think I, I can totally get why you underestimated that because it took me for my hostel because it's expensive there. I stayed near the second airport. I can't remember what it was called. It's at LaGuardia. Um, And even that was a 30-minute walk from that hostel just to the Queen subway. And then it's another 20 minutes into Manhattan. So, yeah, I think I totally get that distance is is more than you think. You do underestimate it, absolutely. Oh, and the subway system, I cannot work out. I mean, at least the tube system, you have the names of the places you're stopping at. (laughs) don't this nqrp one two three whatever it is i just do not understand it <laughs> at all yeah um, I, I just got the same one every day so i don't really venture into no because i walked everywhere um <laughs> yeah maybe because it's probably a bit of budget but there you go yeah it's so easy to like there's so much good food in new york city though so i feel like it's, it doesn't hurt you to walk a lot to sort of make up for the fact that you eat probably three burgers in one day or something you know there's yeah, so much absolutely. food to be had <laughs> endless options i mean eight yeah. Avenue, i think in manhattan has a ridiculous amount of food on that road 
yeah um, absolutely and but it's just, so many different types of food as well it's relentless like, I don't know how you decide what to have I know it is a tough <laughs> choice yeah, it is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah so I I went to New York um, as I said to work on a summer camp so actually I worked just in upstate New York for three months and our camp was for underprivileged children from the city yeah so most of them had, were in homeless shelters and the charity we worked with sent the kids on a summer camp for two weeks at a time so over six weeks um, we looked after three different sets of kids which was fun it came with its challenges mm-hmm. um but very, very interesting, very eye-opening as well. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's very rewarding because you knew where these kids had come from. So we did that and we were in, um, we're near to Twin Lake in, oh, where is it? Twin Lake. I can't think of the name. I've gone blank. <laughs> um, New York State. It was, about, it was about an hour and a half outside the city anyway. Yeah. And you okay. can think of New York, honestly. Um you know, we were in the middle of the forest and oh, right. actually, okay. on our first day orientation, Department of Health came in and warned us about bat rabies and ticks. So oh, did you have we were kind of freaking jam? out. Um, no, I didn't. Oh. I didn't think I'd need it for New York, to be honest. No, I, yeah, I hear you on that. <laughs> yeah, but they said if you, because we, we stopped in little wooden cabins with no electricity or anything. So they said if you spot a bat in the cabin at night, the whole cabin needs to go to hospital and get a rabies oh jab. Yeah. Because even if they brushed your face, their wing, and you've not noticed, you could have rabies and yeah. you've got like 12 hours to go and get the jab. So after that, you're thinking, great, can't wait to spend the next three months here. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it, it was good fun. It was. It was interesting. And that's where I really got the travel bug from as well. Oh, okay. So that kind of like influenced you to maybe go and see some other stuff or get out there. Absolutely. The yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that's awesome. I, I love that, that that kind of influenced you. I think there's one point in someone's travel history where they probably go, ah, oh, it was that moment where oh, I want to go or do something different. Yeah, that's my favourite question to ask my guests is how did it all start for you? Because everyone's got a different story and it's just great mm. to hear that, to hear how people got into it. Yeah, and that's kind of almost what I ask at the end of my podcast. So you'll we'll get asked that question. Um, mm. The rabies jab, very, very quickly, random. When I got my rabies jab, because I got it before I went to Asia, um, the nurse said, oh, yeah, this just guarantees you a bit of extra time um, when you get this jab. I said, what do you mean? She goes, well, when you get rabies, this won't cure it for you. It just gives you an extra 72 hours, I think, or maybe a bit longer to get to somewhere to get treatment. I was like, yeah. oh, so I'm just kind of buying it for time then. She's like, yeah. I was like, okay. But she basically said, still, just avoid anywhere that's rabies heavy so I'm like okay I'll try and do that I know it's uh, for me I had all of the jabs you could have on the NHS like your hepatitis and stuff and then they were like they recommend some to you don't they and one was rabies one was Japanese encephalitis which you can catch in the rice fields I went for that one because I think my it was more to my mom I think she said like her great-grandfather died of that or something she's like you're having it um (laughs) You know, I think it's I, I fatal think it, if you get it. Um, yeah, the, the chances of me getting it where I were. I think what it is, is if you if you know you're going out into the sticks and say you're camping and you're going to be a day or so away from a hospital, that's when mm. you get the rabies jab to buy more time. But a lot of people don't realise it only buys you time. Yeah. And bearing in mind, this isn't free in the UK anyway. No. It's about 150, 200 quid. It's expensive, yeah. I was just like, no, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take my chances. Yeah. I think I need to do a full reassessment of my jabs. 
yeah. travel jabs. Yeah. I've done like 10 years ago. I don't know if they even still protect me now. I'm not even sure. So I need to like go and probably next year when we're back um, to do a full reassessment of it. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't go Japanese cafe nights because I thought the chance of getting a rare, I'm not going to the sticks that much, I don't think. And the price was just put me off. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't cheap. No. But I can't believe you nearly got rabies in New York. I think I'll have to quote that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was it. We generally thought we did because we took the kids off for a walk in the woods one day and we were setting up a campfire and they came running back to us and are like, there's a raccoon in the bush. And obviously <sighs> raccoons only come out in the day if they've got rabies or something wrong. So we're like, did you touch it? Did you yeah. go near it? No. Are you sure? No. Okay. <laughs> because otherwise it would have been a hospital trip. It's, yeah, yeah. it's that easy apparently, but um, no, we, uh, we managed to escape it. I guess the mayor with that is that hospital trip is going to cost, right? Yeah. yeah. US healthcare and all that sort of stuff. Like, I guess that's not like it's a free trip to NHS. It's going to cost a bit no, of money I to mean, get was, the ambulance or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was mandatory that we all had health insurance before we went yeah, out yeah. there. Anyway, I think that's but... pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. That's grim. Yeah. Um, Okay, New York is a is a cool place. I think my favourite bits were, oh, no, it's too generic. I just love New York as a city. Go on. <laughs> oh, Statue of Liberty and <laughs> I won't judge. <laughs> yeah. uh, my secret one is probably the High Line. I didn't know the High Line in New York. Oh yeah, I liked the High Line. Yeah, I think it's now complete. It was built. It's still been built when I was there. Um, but now it's fully built up. So I think it's about That's three. Great. Is that three or four mile walk amongst the? Yeah, it's really quirky. Really cool I love it. Yeah, it goes through like a bit rustic part of town. So, yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, I love that. That's pretty cool. Um, but I need to go back because I don't really have much kind of memory from New York for some reason. I was, I was at the end of my trip, it was like towards the end of my two year trip, and I was just ready to go home. I kind of like checked out. Um, I even went to Iceland after that and just don't really, didn't really do anything. I <laughs> sort of slept. <laughs> just oh, knackered. No. Yeah, because oh. I think after two years you start to think ah, oh, all the people I'm going to see and you just are solo traveling at the time and I guess it just merges into one in the end doesn't it you've seen so much yeah it like merges into one just weren't really up for it and I got a bit of these two Canadian girls to the piss out of me in Iceland because and they still do every time like I just pop message like because I didn't go to the Blue Lagoon in Reykjavik or Iceland <gasps> which is like the main one of the main things to do I was like nah I'll just do it next time they're like but you're here now. I was like, no, I just want to go home. <laughs> and I, said, oh. I think I'd have dragged you. I'd have got you. And I know. I think they're trying to like <laughs> the biggest thing to do in Iceland. Nah, you're not doing it. You're well, you're weird. And I just kept taking the piss out of me. So yeah, there you go. That's my time in New York. <laughs> um, let's move on to your story with the SWAT team. Oh gosh. Yeah. So this is one of my sort of party favourite stories to tell now because it sounds really badass and it's quite funny. It wasn't at the time. Okay. So basically, um, we got on an overnight train from Bangkok and it was meant to be about 12 hours down to Surat Thani, which is yep. where you get off to go to the um, floating villages in Kaosak National Park. Yep. Um, for some reason, six of us were separated from the rest of the group. I think it was a group of about 20. It was quite a big group. Yeah. Um, and the compartment we were in, no one spoke English. They were all Thai people. So that didn't help to start with. Anyway, we're on our journey. We just sort of got into our bunks. So we're all on the top bunk, um, you know, 10 o'clock at night, ready to sort of get some kip. 
And um, these men started walking down the compartment with their hands behind their backs and our beds were right by the door to the next compartment. So they come down and they stop at the door. And at this point they've walked past us and we can see guns in their hands behind their backs. Um, so we okay. both, we all just did a double take and looked at each other like, what? And then as we did that, they turned around, ripped the curtain open on, uh, open on two of our boys who had already sort of curled and gone to sleep and put guns to their foreheads. Um, and we were like, what? And I, how my friends and I reacted, I don't even know where it came from. We both leaped off the bed and tapped these guys on the shoulder and went, <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, they could have turned around on us. We didn't know who yeah. these people were. It just innocent kicked in. We're like, you know, what's going on? Clearly, like, you know, we're, we're unsuspecting tourists. Why would you be after us? Is probably what was in the back of our head. There's got to mm. be some sort of mistake. So, yeah, they, um, they, they quickly backed off when they realised it was our guys in the beds and they just went oh sorry and opened the door and ran down the train oh. and then we were sat there like what the hell just happened <laughs> like one one girl's run off down the train and having a panic attack one of the guys oh, who had the gun pointed at him is, is just you know contemplating life and what the hell just <laughs> happened as you would yeah. having a bit of a cry I, I think I would too um and we're just beside ourselves. And whilst we're all there panicking, the rest of the people in the car- compartment are like, yeah, this happens all the time. You know, <laughs> um, carry on reading the book, curl up and go to sleep. The little old lady underneath me didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> That's brilliant. So that just makes us look like, you know, completely stupid panic tourists, isn't it? I'll tell you um, what, guns yeah. to the head is no, is no, yeah. I mean, there's much better things to have. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so then um then we rang our our tour leader because he was down the train way yeah. down the train with the rest of them and, and told him what happened we're like we should have guns for us he's like what and he didn't believe us at this point i think we'd stopped at a train station and all of the compartments had been locked we couldn't get out of our compartment and this SWAT team got on and they came into our compartment and they were searching every nook and cranny like above the lights mm. everywhere and at this point we're like what on earth is going on are they after the guys that have just pointed guns at us is something bigger happening is it a terrorist attack that is how it felt it was really scary um and we were there for a while and then eventually they got off but further down the train so we didn't really see what happened um anyway we our tour leader was then able to make it through to our apartment and we got the train conductor who also didn't speak any english so i was there with my phone and google translator going what's happened and he's trying to reply and they were like, we don't know. We think it's the police. Um, but but we don't think... know doesn't fill you with confidence, does it? No. <laughs> Me and my friends are like, we don't want to stay on this train. We can't go to sleep now, having just had that happen. So the tour company were really good. They stopped at the train station. And one of the other, like the manager of that area, of that tour in that area came and got us. They fed us at McDonald's and put us on a flight down to Surat Dhani and we met the rest of the group um, the next morning. They weren't told until we got there because yeah. they were like, this, you know, there's no point in panicking there. Yeah, it's yeah. an isolated incident. It never happened ever in all their years of doing this tour. So then we um, kind of carried on with the rest of our trip. We were absolutely shattered the next day because we'd been awake 24 hours at this point, mm-hmm. you know, waiting to get on a flight and everything. Um, and then we sort of carried on Um at first feeling very like you know what's happened and then it kind of became a bit of a joke and a bit funny um so when we got to Kopipi we we painted our own shirts and we put stuff like I survived the Thai SWAT team on and stuff like that (laughs) um which is a bit of a laugh and then when we got home my friend was like I'm not I'm not happy with not knowing what happened I want answers so she got back in touch with the tour company 
And the manager guy who'd picked us up and took us back to Bangkok was really good. He went to the, the train station, he went to local police and he found out what had happened. And apparently the guys that pointed guns at us were undercover police and they'd been given a tip about some nasty drug dealers on the train. But they'd been given the right bed numbers, but the wrong compartment. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so they were, you know, thinking they were about to drag a nasty drug dealer out the bed when really it was right. It was Cal from Newcastle who you know, <laughs> yeah. turned over for, <laughs> for a sleep. Um, so that, and then we also got sent free pictures in the police report just to sort of put our minds at ease of these men. And um, the, the two men had got handcuffs on at the, in police custody and everything they got on their person was laid out in front of them. They got guns, knives, Bloody class hell. A drugs, like all sorts. And then you think, oh, I'm kind of glad the police are on the train now. But well, at the time, it would have yeah. been nice to know it was the, the police. All they needed to say was, sorry, we're police. But I suppose maybe they, they could have blown the cover. I don't know. It was a freak accident. But you know what? It wouldn't put me off going to Thailand. Oh, God, um, no. no. It wouldn't That's... put me off going back. It was a it was an isolated incident. Yeah. And like I say, it's pretty funny now. People ask me, what's one fact about you? Or, you know, you have those icebreakers. That's always the story I ring yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It's a great story. Like, <laughs> did they, I get, just to confirm, they actually caught the two guys. They caught the two guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they obviously had them lay out all their stuff. Okay. Yeah, because my question before you cleared that up was like oh were the first guys pointing a gun were they just random guys or no if they're undercover cops that's that's a little bit yeah. more reassuring um but yeah bloody word i i cannot imagine that guy just churn out um from from newcastle just asleep on, on the bus yeah and then bang guns lay head what? yeah <laughs> yeah bad. literally like what yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you can laugh at it now. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, actually getting back to Bangkok and FaceTiming my parents because I didn't want it to go on Facebook and then find out that way, you know, a couple of days later. So I FaceTimed them and says, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Not on the train anymore because I'd spoken to them just before we got on the overnight train. So it's not on the train anymore. We're okay, but we've had guns pointed at us and we're now waiting on a flight down to meet the rest of the team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they were just a bit gobsmacked. So they didn't say much on the FaceTime, but apparently when the call had finished, my dad was absolutely freaking out. Yeah. Um, as you would. But uh, yeah, we I survived. You survived. I think we all know there's some stuff that you probably do in Southeast Asia that is just, or experiences, it's just not worth telling people until after the fact. I mean, yeah. some stuff that we saw or heard in Southeast Asia that I just, you know what? Mum can hear about that when we come back in a year's time um not in the current time yeah (laughs) no Um, I wasn't going to tell her but I thought you know once the rest of the group knows and it probably would become a bit of a running joke or something it could mm -hmm. end up on Facebook so I'd hate for her to find out that way I thought best just tell her I'm absolutely fine (laughs) yeah I think it's just best to do that (laughs) yeah great story though love to love to have that on the podcast that's great that's awesome um with your travel and journalism do they sort of mix or is it like, did one inspire the other? Or was just maybe doing that first trip kind of inspired your journalism? Like, how how is that kind of intertwined, do you think? So I kind of wish that I was a full-time travel journalist, but yeah. that is a very, very hard field to get into. And yes. actually a lot of travel journalists do that on the side and have other gigs. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I mean the best the best sort of stint I had at that was when I worked at Euronews Travel for a while. I was um like a staff writer, freelance, mm-hmm. a staff writer for three days a week or something, among other stuff. 
Um, so yeah, I would absolutely love to be a travel journalist or, or be doing travel documentaries or just something that takes me all over the world. Yeah, um, dream. It doesn't. It doesn't always work out that like that. I think people have this image of of journalism being very glamorous and jet setting, and it was in the old days, but not so much now, especially during the pandemic. You know, we mm. can we can get hold of someone who's in Thailand and get them to send the report to us, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very different. Um, so really, that's why I set up my travel podcast as well. It was just a bit of a creative outlet for me. I get to talk and in, talk to and interview people who travel and have interesting stories and learn about interesting places. So yeah, I don't know if I've answered your question there, but I think I want, I've always wanted to be a journalist. And once I started traveling, I thought, yeah, now I really want to be a journalist and I want to travel the world doing it but it doesn't, it just isn't that easy. It's, it's not the done thing anymore unless you're really, really lucky and really high up. Um, yeah. It's, it's an industry yeah. I constantly look into. I can't write for shit. So journalism is out of the question for me. Um, hence why I started the podcast. Cause I think I can probably get some stories out of people that are worth listening to and maybe talk Absolutely. a better game than writing a better game. So um, hence why we're here now talking about some awesome stories. Right. But yeah. People always ask me because I'm not I'm not a career person. Like they like, oh, you're always dotting about like doing one job quick, go away. It's like I've done that for like 10 years almost. Because it's hard for me to find something that I really want to do. And the only thing I can come close to, and to give people an example, of what I'd love to do, but I think it's almost impossible, is someone like uh Simon Reeve, who just travels around doing documentaries on oh, things in the world, yes. that sort yes. of thing. If I want to give people an example, of what I want to do is that. I've no idea how to get into it, no idea how we start. I've read his book, but no idea how it sort of manifested into that. He explains a little bit in this book about how he got there, but that is kind of what I would like to do. Yeah, same. Do you know what? If someone, I, I constantly say to, say to people, you know, I work with online stuff at the room, but I'd really love to get into documentary making, mm. whether it's radio, whether it's TV, I don't care. I just love documentaries as a format. Yeah, same. Um, yeah. And people say to me, okay, well, what kind of documentaries? And it's very hard to put your finger on one, but I always mm. say, I, you know, I love Stacey Dooley documentaries. Yeah. I would love to do stuff She's like cool. her, investigative stuff, yeah. either that or travel stuff like Simon Reeve. Mm. Yeah, that's the um, perfect, it's almost for me, the perfect role. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's traveled to like 120 countries as well, doing it. I'm like, I know, it's incredible. Hell um any anything like that any travel documentaries I'm there I love it I would even work as a researcher or a runner on race across the world just so yes. I can go and do it yeah. you know um, um it would be great but honestly dream, getting into in getting into those is really hard and again a lot of the time like with travel writing it's something people do sporadically um among mm. other work it's not always ongoing documentary work okay you know yeah so it's it's a difficult one it's not impossible it's very difficult which kind of led me to think, well, could I just do something independent and just yeah. release it out there? Like just my own series on a bit of a, you know, tight budget, but can I record something and document something where I'm not relying on trying to get in somewhere, but I just do it myself and then yeah, like out a there. YouTube series or something. Something like that, yeah. Or just, I don't know how it really works. Again, it needs more research, but yeah, something like that where people can sort of look at it for almost for free and just say, oh, okay, that's not too bad. Or it's on a popular network service like youtube or netflix or something like that yeah um, because i feel like 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 you say getting into that sort of sphere of industry is nigh on impossible it is and i think as well when you're going to work for a big corporation 
There are a lot of editorial guidelines and styles and things that you have to do to make sure your program looks like every other program on the BBC or mm. or right to be or wherever. Whereas if you go off on your own, like with this, like with my podcast, like with yours, you're completely in charge of it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of creators now go on YouTube to um do their stuff and Netflix as well is very up and coming, I think, as well with documentaries. Yeah, they've got quite a few independent stuff on there. Yeah, which is great. Um have you watched Vox Borders? Vox Borders? I have not, no. Oh, or, or, or Vox Atlas is another one. So it's by a journalist, an American journalist called Johnny Harris. And he's he's brilliant. He's just, he just he's great. He just goes against everything you're pretty much taught at journalism school. Okay. And um he's just he does some fantastic stuff. Like obviously he has a whole team behind him, they do special yeah. effects and stuff. But go and give that a watch. It's it's so cool. They're about 10 15 minutes long um, okay. and he's, yeah. he's been all over the place so he looks at certain issues in the world um so borders is all about what happens in border towns or, or border, yes. something to do with the border and atlas is, is a similar kind of concept so for example he went to india during the last general election and he looked at how people in the rural areas vote when a lot of people can't read or write and it was really you'd think that sounds really dull but it's That's really very interesting <laughs> yeah and um, but stuff like that definitely go and check him out it's brilliant okay yeah that's a great recommendation i'll go and check those out i was going to say if you can have like a little niche thing that you've got on the go whether it's i don't know a generic one we like travel around eating food it's been done everyone's done it um yeah. but that's like that sort of you've got that sort of idea that's kind of a bit separate from anything else and it you know people will watch it if they like it if they don't like it they won't watch it who cares absolutely but if you get enough yeah. people to like it then it kind of could lead on to something else right so it's whatever that you idea is yeah yeah i guess with covid though those all those ideas we put on hold you can't like the casual travel now is just not available it's not um which is a real big problem because you can't just jump on a 5 p.m flight from stansted to copenhagen for example can't oh, do that if only um, do you know one one thing yeah. I've always wanted to do actually is just to walk into an airport and go on go, get on the next flight that's on standby and just let that decide where I go. I've always, <laughs> always thought about doing that. My boyfriend's not ba- brave enough to do it. He's like, well, what, do you, "What do you want to do that for?" Yeah, it's yeah. Just, well, there's, just like there's, there's your show. I don't know what you yeah. call it, but you just turn up to an airport, right, and going wherever's next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how awesome would that be? That'd be pretty cool because you don't you know where you're going. It here first. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope no one nicks it. Um, I know but that sort of idea yeah that's the sort of thing I, I keep thinking um yeah you should do cool it. To get into it but never know never know just get a bit of financial back into cover yourself and then go for it right yeah absolutely which kind of brings us nicely to your podcast um I want to talk about why you started your podcast and what inspired you to get it going this year yeah, so it's it's very new, the True Travel Podcast. And I think deciding the name and the logo of it took the most time and getting it up and running. And then yeah. when once you do, as you know yourself, you've got guests lined up and you're pretty organized and the editing's not that treacherous. It's all it's all good. So we're at season one, episode four at the moment. It should have been episode five this week, but life got in the way. So that'll come out next yeah. week. But um yeah, so basically I just I missed travel so much this year and I feel like my day job at the moment it's very like it's not not as creative as roles I have had Mm -hmm. and having worked in a bit of travel journalism as well I've got that 
sort of hunger for it now yeah. so I've set up the travel the, the tree travel podcast just to sort of have that creative outlet and to talk to interesting people across the world um and to find out other people's stories but also you know I'm, I'm really big on conscious travel and um, more meaningful travel more meaningful experiences so I always try to pick guests whose life has really been impacted by travel and mm. um, whether they've made it their livelihoods or whether one trip completely changed their life um, people who really immerse themselves in the culture and and have some interesting stories of locals they're the kinds of people that I interview um, and and just sort of a day in the life of as well so I had a documentary producer on the other week actually Bella and mm-hmm. she travels the world producing documentaries but then when she's not producing documentaries she's traveling the world herself and she has a little <laughs> travel vlog on the side you know yeah 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 um but it was interesting to hear from her because she's like when you when you're working in tv and doing that you probably don't see as much as you think because you're on location the of whole course. time and and filming so yeah just just things like that and I think hopefully it's interesting to other people to have an insight into that kind of thing and I interviewed a national geographic travel photographer as well yeah saw that one yeah yeah, and asked how she got into it because again, it's a very saturated field, and no one really knows how you get into it. So yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those jobs you like. You never know. You never hear how you actually get into those jobs. No, like, it's almost I, like I kind of done this and done this. But it's not. It's not set. Like it's no, a, it's not. It's a lot of hard graft stuff. That. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Really, is just to get interesting stories from people and to learn about the countries that they've lived in. Um, yeah I've noticed that your guests are great because they have that that little niche thing about yeah the the photographer or the one producing documentaries about how that affects them yeah. um interesting it interests me because I've gone uh, a different route <laughs> I've actually just gone based on areas of the world um, see that's, that I, that's a good a good route to go it's a different route I yeah so all the people that. I've met I'm like oh well I know that guy has been to that place that I don't know anyone else has been to and it's quite unique or maybe not heard of that much I want to get that person on and talk about that um so that's kind of the areas I've gone to but there's always been people that I kind of roughly know so obviously I don't know you at all really so you're like kind of one of the first I think you and Connor who I mentioned before we started podcast on the comeback podcast are two people that I've met just podcasting which is great um do you know what the podcasting community is so so friendly so supportive um, aren't they they are yeah, like yeah. no one I feel like with influencers on Instagram they're all very against each other and competing yes. but I feel like podcasting um you know you invite each other onto each other's shows and everyone's very supportive I think actually you when I was setting up and I was looking for a host platform you're one of the people who answered my story I did say, yeah, yeah yeah I use yeah. this platform and you didn't know <laughs> me and it was just so kind and that's what I love about it as well is you have a little community of people it's yeah great. and I saw um yeah because Connor uh, we'll talk about Connor a little bit because uh, he's on the Comeback podcast. He, I think he put a post up about football because he covers a, a wide range. And I was like, oh, do you know what? I talk travel all the time podcasts, but never really anything else. But I love football. So we went on and done an episode. Um, and that kind of started there. And I, I kind of look for genuine podcasts on Instagram. So you're one of them, obviously, because I think you're just someone like me trying to start out, trying to offer something to the worldwide, if you like, um, about, yeah. about travel. Um, if it's genuine, and I think it helps you get further out there and it helps Connor as well with his um, and vice versa. I'm all for it, like trying to get as much people on as possible. Absolutely. I'm exactly the same. And as well with the people I interview as well, I, I don't just go for travel influence, influencers. In fact, I avoid them. I go for genuine yes. travellers. Genuine. 
yeah. um who yes okay a couple of them have a massive following and they're very established but others like I've interviewed a lovely lady who lives in Dubai she used to be an air hostess and she talked mm. all about that life she now has a little travel business and I think or I hope that I can bring more people to her page as well and help her out so yeah I, it's a win-win isn't it and I, I like that about podcasting that you know as long as you're not a dick like yeah um, basically <laughs> an example you put a post the other day about having uh, 100 downloads I was like yeah great I remember 100 downloads that was a good moment you're past that bit now and now it's the next step like yeah. for me it's great to see but I guess influencers would be like oh like either jealousy or not interested in helping you out or just not in the real world that they're influencers right so yeah. I, I definitely avoid those people um, I don't want any interest in them and I get asked like sometimes from some friends like oh who's going to be your marquee guest like who's going to be the the famous one I'm like I don't need anyone famous or with a big following if they if they're genuine to offering something to my podcast I'll ask but I feel like speaking to real people like yourself who've traveled and done some stuff around the world that that means more than just getting someone because they're known that's not for me totally and you know one thing I always say working as a journalist is I'd much rather interview a normal person than a celebrity I guess you might be experienced with that yeah yeah, nine out of ten at the time I mean I've not interviewed any massive celebrities don't get me wrong but nine Mm. out of of ten of the times the the normal everyday people often have the most interesting uh human stories that Mm. once people give them a chance they can't stop listening you know, yeah. they, they have really, really genuine, interesting, relatable stories. And I think with a lot of influencers, we're not going to get any influencers on our podcast now after this. Um, <laughs> a lot of influencers <laughs> are very like, you know, make the Instagram look pretty. Yeah. But what's beyond that? Yeah. If you can't, if you can't make your Instagram. Um, so I listen to a podcast from James Smith. He's a PT. Uh, he's quite well known. He's got like a nearly a million followers now, but he is very down to earth in his podcast and he does it on the side. It's not his main thing. And he'd done one the other day with Ben Carpenter, who's also like uh, almost a PT guy as well, but he does more about the research into what is healthy for you and stuff like that. Anyway, they're talking about podcasters and influencers. And Ben Carpenter said, if you can't on your, inf- on your Instagram page, put something that's not negative, but maybe a bad day, or you're just trying to explain that this is how you're feeling at this current day or travels not traveling is really getting you down and it's constantly positive stuff then you're an influencer because it's not real like we all have down days right mm-hmm. um but he said for me i put stuff on there that's negative or i don't feel as positive in that day because i feel down or whatever because i feel that's real life me so he was like hand a bit of a go at influencers because that's totally true like they're just there to kind of make it look pretty maybe get a bit of ads action a bit of money mm. it's not genuine in my eyes but no. this is my opinion that's it it's it's our opinion and okay yes I follow some big influencers one of my favorite travel bloggers is the blonde abroad who's huge okay. now um but not just because in fact it wasn't her Instagram that I found it was her travel blog when I first started to look at traveling mm. and because I'm a female she's done a lot of female travel blogging and it really related to me so I love her obviously she's got a huge following now on Instagram and it's yeah. very influencery but she started out very humbly, um, which is why I love her and respect her. But okay. I feel like some just go straight to Instagram and it's just all about how it looks. And yeah. there's so much more to a country than that. Yeah, and I think, don't forget these guys will probably get paid or offered free accommodation or travel at a certain 
location and it's not like genuine like you know we talk about backpacking through southeast asia it's not going to be like that it's going to be pretty set itinerary i imagine and not yeah. staying at your 20 dollar or 10 dollar dorm bedroom is going to be putting a nice villa somewhere so it's just not i'm not yeah. criticizing that you have to do what you have to do to make money but I mean, not, don't get me wrong, if scene. there are any luxury villas out there that want to <laughs> offer me a free trip and I'll write about it, go for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they get the other side on, like, yeah, you, you can invite yeah. us to some stuff yeah. if you want, but yeah. it's not the be all end all. Um, but there we go, that's kind of what, where I want to go with my podcast. But on your podcast, um, just to tell the listeners, where can we find you? Um, how often do you put new episodes out and stuff like that? So um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. It's just all lowercase at Tree Travel Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Tree Travel Pod. Um, and of course, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts. And I think I'm going to branch out to uh, Amazon soon as well. But yeah, yeah. all, the, all the, the, the usual places, that's where you can find me. Great. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I think I'm on the same platforms as you. So yeah, we've all been there. Kind of usuals, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> Cover all the bases. And I'll make sure I plug um your Instagram page as well. I'm not on Twitter. I don't like Twitter, but I'll be on Instagram um to share some stories with our chat today. Um, Amazing, yeah. Released on Monday. Yes, so I, I come my episodes come out on Wednesday. Sorry, I should have said that. Oh yeah, Wednesday, every Wednesday. Is that what you trying to do? Every Wednesday. Yeah. yeah. I I'm a relentless on the Monday, even if I don't have a guest lined up or I'm really late on a Sunday recording it, I just get something out. That's yeah, kind of my rule. That's what you've got to do. Yeah. Yeah, just, just get that in uh, kind of like that routine of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've got some quick fire travel questions, which I normally end on. Go on um, then. Well, as actually penultimate, then you end on a quote. So these quick fire travel questions are on my website, jameshammond.org. Um, I don't think you'll know unless you visit there what they're going to be. So these are mm-hmm. quick fire. I don't really want you to think about it. You've got to answer really quickly. Okay. And it's mainly your favorite stuff. It's travel question time. So it's going to be like, oh, what's your favourite this, favourite this? So okay, here we go. Uh, there's normally a jingle before this, but I obviously, obviously I'll put it in before the edit, so um, don't worry about that. <laughs> your favourite oh. beach? Uh, uh, oh no, I've forgotten all the names of beaches. <laughs> uh, my Bay. My Bay, <laughs> generic. Uh, favourite coffee? Do you drink coffee? Uh, yes, uh, iced coffee. Okay. Any particular countries of coffee that you like? That's kind of where I was going with that. It's got to be Vietnam. Yeah, of course. I love that. Uh, Favourite city? Uh, Oh, this is much harder not to think. Um, Hoi An. Hoi An, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Favourite trek? Again in Hoi An. Well, as a cycle ride, does that count? Yeah, go on. I'll let you you have that. (laughs) (laughs) But I know just quickly, no, these are quick fire. You mentioned Inca Trail. I was meant to ask you about that. I have done I it been, and it's unbelievable. So I'm when, you, desperate. when you go, you're going to love it. I Yeah, I, the minute they solve the COVID crisis over there, I'm out there. Brilliant. Um, just uh, anything I, any wisdom I can give is kind of just get used to steps. Yeah. Because there's, okay. there's a lot of fucking steps. Um, <laughs> and it's four days and it's I, I was fucked for a week after that. Um, oh, but it's definitely God. worth doing. Start trading then. Yeah, start training. <laughs> okay, <laughs> next one. Favorite country? Uh, one, Vietnam. Matt. Vietnam. Favorite party place? Koi Phi Phi. Yeah. Uh, your favorite landmark that you've seen? Um. Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, uh, Statue of Liberty. 
<laughs> yes. I thought you had a go at me earlier for being New York generic. Huh? I'll take I that. didn't. I said I support <laughs> you, whatever, uh, yeah. you know. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite cuisine slash food? Um, pad Thai. Yes, it's up there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, your favourite, like, high-draining activity that you've done? Uh, s- skydiving. I've done it once, but yeah. I guess it's my favourite. That's that's what I've got in mind. Where, where did you do that? Uh, in the UK. Yeah. It was a 21st birthday present. Oh. <laughs> Here's your present. Go on a plane and jump out at 16,000 feet. Cool. Yeah. Um, favourite country, if you were to live in one that you've kind of experienced, you know what, I'd live there for a bit. Um... Thailand probably mm-hmm. okay. or Bali no no Bali sorry okay. no 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 you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got a ra- random one here but I've got a favorite lake have you seen any lakes <laughs> oh god what a question um <laughs> I'd say the lake district just because I yeah. haven't kept tally of lakes I've been to no I hear that um it's a random one because in Canada there's always lakes everywhere oh. um and what I've got two more uh, the country you think is the best value for your money? Cambodia. Cambodia. Nice. Mm-hmm. And last one is, well, you can say a bit more about this one. Like, If you had to tell someone who's probably not been traveling before, but is thinking about it, what is the best advice or, or reason why they should go? Do it or you're going to regret it and be thinking about it the rest of your life. Bam. Basically, yeah. Bam. Just, Love just that. bite the bullet and go. Yeah. I actually put a quote on my, um, we'll come to quotes now in a minute. I put a quote on my Instagram today and it, I've got a friend from Norwich called Liam. Um, it's called Toddy. Uh, he has done, he loves Southeast Asia. He loves it. And I asked him for a quote about why you should go. And he, he just said, just fuck your job off and go. I saw <laughs> it that just quote. made me laugh. Like, I'm yeah. like, it's so <laughs> short and funny. I had to share it again. This made me laugh at the time just um, straight to the point isn't it yeah 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 absolutely if you can do that <laughs> so what is your quote um if you, ha- um, if you have one or a few you can name a few ooh. if you like I guess one that I like to live by is um one that I like to live by is travel while you're young and able don't worry about the money just make it work experiences are far more valuable than money will ever be absolutely true um yeah yeah I think it's all about having experiences on your deathbed. Is that, bit, is that a bit morbid? I don't know. It's not about the, the house you have or the car. That don't, it doesn't mean anything when you're getting old. It's about trying to remember the good times of traveling somewhere, meeting people, yeah. right? That's the most and important the future's thing. And the future's not guaranteed. I think if no. there's anything we've all learned from this crisis is that the future isn't guaranteed. So if mm. you've got the money and you're able to go and you're fit and healthy, then do it. Yeah, especially. Um, also, why would you gamble? to do it when you're older like let's say yeah. you're doing it tired if we ever retire at our age um because you're not you might not make it you might you have you seen that <laughs> exactly have you seen that photo floating around of the old couple asleep in the gondola in the gondola in venice and it no, says I'm don't not. travel no. when you're old because you've been <laughs> falling asleep <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, i'm gonna find that i'm gonna share it yeah um, do it <laughs> when we did a promo on this podcast on monday i'm doing that <laughs> uh, yeah it's so true though oh it's who who on earth thinks you're going to be able and bright and sprightly when you're when you're sixty? You're going to be knackered. <laughs> Maybe not, but that's just my my feeling anyway. Yeah. So my my quote is Liam Todd, um, episode seventeen. Just fuck your job off and do it. That's my quote today. Great quote. Um, 
but yeah Laura thanks for coming on I've really enjoyed that chat it's been really cool thank you for having me it's been really really fun as I say I love I love collaborating with other podcasters so yeah thank you no anytime and um yeah we know where to find you now so this is released on Monday um and I'll be sharing some stuff throughout the week um some clips as well from this just to get people interested and shout out there amazing thank you um yeah just let me know if you need anything else from me um just drop me a DM. yeah brilliant love that thank you okay take care Catch you later. actually meet you thank you for listening to my winging it podcast today you can check out my website jameshammond.org for all the links to all the platforms for your podcasts including apple podcasts google and spotify there's a contact form on the homepage for you to get in contact for anything you want me to discuss to do with travelling. Don't forget to check out my Instagram page, James Hammond Travel, where I post daily about my last 10 years of travelling, travelling, and more travelling. Finally, please rate the podcast. I really appreciate it if you can rate it, leave some comments, and I'd love to read them. Stay safe, happy listening, happy reading, and be inspired.